Welcome back to Fourth and Forever. I'm your host, Mark Sanchez. Today, a very special guest who's near and dear to my heart, Nick Mangold, center for the New York Jets during my tenure there. Also a lifetime Jet, 11-year player in the NFL, seven-time Pro Bowler. The accolades go on and on. Former Ohio State Buckeye, you know all about him. He's going to have some interesting stuff to say about our runs in the playoffs in 2009 and 2010. But most importantly, I've been keeping a secret from him for a very, very long time. I'm a little scared to tell him. I'm glad I don't have to tell him in person because I played a little prank on him back in 2011 when uh, his entire family was staying over with him and he had an infinite home that was, you know, a little restless at nights, baby Matthew at the time. We picked him up on the way to the facility like I normally did on the way to games and, and on the way to practices at times. We decided to toilet paper his house <laughs> one night and he wakes up on Thanksgiving morning and he has toilet paper everywhere. And I mean, like, we're talking like 500 rolls. It was absurd, it was excessive, downright rude. I'm a little worried about his reaction, so I'm gonna save this till the very end because I don't want him to cut off the interview. I'm worried about him, I'm worried about his wife, Jenny. She's not gonna be pleased, but you know, you gotta own up to what you did as a youngster having fun and um, we'll see how that goes. So stay tuned for his reaction because I think it's going to be a doozy. Welcome back, Fourth and Forever. One of my best friends that I've ever played with. One of my favorite teammates all time, if not the favorite of all time. A one Nick Mangold, multiple Pro Bowls. I mean, we got a ton of lists of stats on you, but this is just going to be me and you talking, man. I don't want to go too far into numbers other than my amazing numbers. So let's Obviously. keep your numbers out of it. Just know there's thousands of times I put my hand right under his butt and got great snaps. So Nick, welcome to the show. And it's good to see you. Thank you. Awesome, awesome introduction. I don't think I've ever been introduced by someone saying that they put their hands under my butt. Yeah, well, the other so. guy's got to get podcasts because there's a lot of guys who've come through there <laughs> and have put their hands under I your butt. I have been tossed around. Gosh, you sure love shotgun, though. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up in Centerville, Ohio. Born in Centerville, Ohio. Oldest of four children. You got the three younger sisters, uh, Kelly, Holly, Maggie. I remember when we were in camp and you got a free pass to go see Holly in the Olympics which was pretty sweet. What was that like seeing your family member excel and, and compete at that level? Yeah, it was really cool. Um, you know, at first I asked Woody, and so I cleared it through him that I could be able to go, so I don't want um, any craziness there. But um, it was like, it was such a whirlwind trip because I think we flew, we took the red eye out there, um, and then we were there for the morning, and then she competed that night and then we flew home the following day. So like oh, wow. seeing um, seeing how like, how big the Olympics is. Like, you know, we laugh and joke like football, you know, we're, we're the best in the world because no one else plays it. Um, but when you have so many countries there and so many people mixed in, um, it was amazing seeing that kind of competition on the world level and not just, you know, national or uh, collegiate. Um, and it was it was pretty you know awe inspiring to be like all right we're here with the rest of the world like we, they've all come to one spot and so it was pretty cool. That's really cool. I'm sure she appreciated that. Um, then so. now you're um, you're married. You have your three kids now or four kids now? Four kids. Four kids. So it's Matthew, Thomas, Eloise, and the newest is Charlotte. Charlotte. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Um, yeah. So you were a dad 
while we were playing. All these things were going through my head about just playing football, just getting the snap right, just getting a first down, trying to score a touchdown, whatever. But you're doing that. You and Jennifer, God bless her, were, were amazing. How did you juggle that? And how clueless was I as this young single bachelor in New York? So explain <laughs> how you did that and how amazing Jennifer is. Yes, well, obviously she's amazing um, and she made it all possible. But, you know, when uh, when Fanica came in in 08 and mm -hmm. he had been, I think, with the Steelers at that point, 10 years, 11 years or so, and his daughter, Annabelle, was three um, when he got to us. Seeing him work kind of taught me how to do it all. Um, you know, I, I was always impressed um, that, you know, he would be at the building, he'd be watching film, he'd be doing everything. And then he would talk about, all right, you know, I got to go home. I got to go handle home life. Um, and we talked about it as, um, as I was getting closer to having um, kids. And so, you know, how do you do it? And he's like, listen, you, you split it. You have your football life and you have your home life. Um, mm. I don't take my work home. So like, you know, a lot of times people will take their film home and everything um, and just watch it while they're sitting around. He's like, I, I get my work done at the building. And when I leave here, my time at home is, uh, that's dad time. Like right. daddy time is what I, I call it. And so I, I took that to heart. So that's why there was a lot of times I was at the facility later than, you know, a lot of people because I wanted to finish my work before I got home. So that way when I got home, it was, you know, depending on what time, if we were eating dinner or if I was getting there for bedtime, like I could read the bedtime story and not have it hanging over my head like, oh, you know what? I need to go watch the, the last set of third downs, um, right. you know, just have everything done. So uh, that was a big help. You know, I think Fanica shaped um, not only me as a football player, but then me as a uh, as a dad and a football player dad. If That's that really sense. cool. That, no, that makes total sense. I, I think I was just uh, in some ways too immature and, and not ready for any of that kind of lifestyle, but it's it puts a lot into perspective because when you go now, when I go home, like that time, like you said, like Fanica taught you is sacred, you know, and that is like everything else is on hold because as long as they're happy and healthy and, and we're having a good time at home, the rest of your life, you'll figure it out. Work, all that right. kind of stuff, other relationships, it kind of falls in line. So I just, I love that that's happening for me now. And, you know, in some ways I'm like, man, that's, that I really respect that you could do that uh, as a player. Yeah, you really, you really had no idea and it was awesome. Like, they're, they're like well, why don't you want to go out tonight? Because, <laughs> you know, I don't have time. Because um, my kid's on autopilot and he'll wake yeah. up at 5 a.m. So if I come strolling in at 2, he's still waking up at 5 a.m. What about now, you know, when you're talking about stuff getting canceled, March Madness getting canceled, what are your thoughts on the college stuff? I really think college football as we you and I experience it and as we know it is completely over and we'll have it a totally different look whether it's next season or in the spring or whatever obviously part of it is this pandemic I think the bigger issue and the real issue so long as you know everybody stays healthy and safe is these players once the name image and likeness thing happened I mean, now they're starting to take control. They're starting to organize, unionize, if you will. And they're going to have a lot more power, similar to the players in the NFL. And they're going to start making money. And like I said, the, the landscape of college football is, has been changed forever, in my opinion. do One, do you agree with that? And two, where do you think it's going? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting, um, you know, 
I think there's two very different sides. One is the the paying the athletes, and then two, uh, the Rona issues that we're having right now, like the Big Ten canceling their schedule. Um, You know, I think that has the potential to destroy the Big Ten. Um, You know, I think, like, someone, someone put out there, like, I'd pay, you know, all the money that I have in my bank account to watch Ohio State play Michigan on pay-per-view, you know, at a high school Ooh, field. Um, wow. And I was like, yeah, I would agree with that. And like, I'll, you know, I'll pay it up right now. And so seeing, uh, I saw like Harbaugh was still practicing. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, what, what stops Michigan from being, from calling up Ohio State and be like, hey, um, you know, come to our stadium, let's play. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think you can stop them. And that's the thing is that what real power does the NCAA have? What real power does do these conferences have? Because the teams have to willingly submit to being under their jurisdiction in a certain way. But if everything's canceled, there's no rules. Like you could, I mean, do whatever you want, I guess, right? I don't know how you right. use a stadium. They might not let you play at their own stadium, but you I'm sure you'd be able to pay somebody enough somewhere I mean, they're not, who will let you pay. But they're not play. Big, they're not Big Ten stadiums. Like Ohio Stadium is Ohio State's. Right. That's know? true. So then so the issue would be the, the liability. The liability. Because if anybody gets sick or if anybody, you know, God forbid somebody dies. Or something crazy, right? Which you know, I think right. is is a stretch. Do I think anybody dies? No. Is the possibility or the chances zero percent? Well, I don't think it's zero, but I think it's low. So yeah, I just I feel mean, like the school died. and everybody they they just they're scared to wear the liability to own that liability. So it's just like it's better if we just stop and figure out how we're going to deal with these players and their new power later on. Here yeah, goes. and and so then the power. Um, the the money side of it, I think they've gone. I think they were so rigid for so long that mm-hmm. they allowed the government to step in, um, and that took away the power from the NCAA. So mm-hmm. if the NCAA had come out, you know, five ten years ago and say, "Hey, you know, you're right. You guys should be getting more. Um, here's here's our plan to get them. You know." their fair a relatively fair share of what they're doing right the the government would have never had to come in and so allowing the government to come in and say hey you know our state is a pay to play and you know now they can use their name and likeness has hurt the any of the power that the ncaa would have um and i and i remember when this started up really big it was like three or four years ago and someone was like, well, how do you do it? I was like, I don't know. Like, there's people smarter than me that can figure it out. But the one I, you know, what I thought was, like, you know, you take, um, because then you go into, well, if we're paying football players, then do we have to play the lacrosse team? Do we have to pay, you know, track and field? And it was like, well, take the revenues. And so whatever revenues that lacrosse gets, you know, split it then amongst um, the players, whatever revenue the football Right, but gets. they're operating at a deficit. Right. And so I was like, so, you know, sometimes life isn't fair. Like, I, sure. you know, yeah. I use that. Not I, that one I sport that is better. It's just the demand for a certain no. sport happens to be more than another. That's, yeah, Chris and I talked about this too. I agree. So keep going, keep yeah. going. 
I, I preach to my kids all the time. They're like, you know, sometimes life just isn't fair. They're like, well, why did he get more whipped cream than I got? Well, you know, <laughs> because daddy wasn't paying attention and yeah. life isn't fair. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's one of those things where I was like, you know, you could take the money and then instead of, because you know how bad it is for the NFL when you have rookies that come in um, and get a big old paycheck and then just spend it on all kinds of stuff. Um, and so not, not that I'm pointing any fingers uh, right here. <laughs> I spent a lot of stupid money. Um, and so now, like, if you take a guy who's 22, 23, and he does that, if you get a kid who's 18 yeah. and you give him a chunk of change, like, it's just going to be spent. So I think they're if they would have been done it smart, they would have found a way to pay the players to put it in some sort of trust um, right. that was, you know, they couldn't get it until, A, they graduated. I think putting graduation on the idea that you get paid for what you did would be a huge boon to to guys actually pay attention to their degrees. Right. Um, you know, you can't get the money. You get a, a higher stipend um, during your time, but you don't get that lump sum. Um, and then it's paid out over, you know, the course of maybe like five years or so. So that way, um, you know, guys that aren't fortunate enough to make it to the NFL have a little bit of something as they're trying to figure their life out as they transition. Because right. just as the NFL life, um, you know, guys have a hard time transitioning. Like, all right, you know, my career is over from the NFL. Now what am I doing? Where do I go? Um, you know, when you're, when you're in college football and you play it for four to five years, and now all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, football's over. Um, you know, I got this degree. Where am I going with it? You know, I really, especially right. the guys that think they're going to the NFL. You know, the guys that, no you know, go undrafted, get a tryout, get cut that first week of camp, and then they're done. Like, all right, well, I thought I was going to the NFL. Now I'm not. How do I fall back? And now they have a little bit of money coming to them over the next, you know, however so many years. Um, to try to help them find their way as they transition in, right? Would be my thought, but yeah, it's I, I don't something or or until they declare their, you know, um, they relinquish their amateur status. You know, either you graduate or you do that, and then almost like the lottery idea, right? Like I'll take the lump sum now, and it's going to be a little bit less, and some of that's going to go back to the school or the program, or you know, I can get paid out over the you know, I'll get all the money over a certain amount of time kind of thing. I mean, there's ways to yeah. figure this thing out, but I think you you made a really good point that it's been one way for so long and they've fought it for so long, the NCAA, that, I mean, we're in a society and, and a climate now where, you know, if if you gripe about something enough, it might just be eliminated, right? Like you could just get canceled. So the thought of the yeah. NCAA being potentially canceled because they're so hard-headed, that's not that far-fetched, in my opinion. But I think there's a way to, to do this the right way and get these players and whether it's the conferences or the NCAA on the same page and have some sort of collective bargaining agreement situation where things are more or less fair and people are more or less happy or happier rather. But I don't think it's going to be perfect, and I and I do think it's going to be very muddy moving forward. It's going to be a rocky road, and not everybody's going to be happy about it. So, uh, and, and well, the ripple too, effect I mean, from this is going to be crazy. It's hard enough to get, you know, NFL players who are professionals, right, to, you know, sit down and stop what they're doing and you know 
advocate for players all around the league. Some guys care about it, some guys don't. Everybody is affected by it, whether they like it or not. And in some ways, it's like herding cats, right? Trying to figure all this out, get everybody on the same page. And now you're trying to do it with, like you said, 18-year-old kids that, you know, some guys might have, you know, their head on straight and know exactly what they want and what they think is fair, and they might have valid points. But you got other players that are just kind of like, whatever, like, you know, I mean, just like in the NFL. So right. I think it's going to be, that's like, gonna be a tough negotiation. Yeah, I mean, you you have 3,500 NFL guys. How many college right. guys do you have? What? Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. 100,000? Yeah, 200,000? Like, yeah. That's um, that's a lot of kids. I think it's, so if you have 117 schools, 100 guys on a team, yeah, you're looking at 117,000 players that you're now trying to get everyone to vote, you know, a majority one way or the other. It's, it would be, I mean, they, they've really messed it up. And I think that's the sad part. Um, yeah. You know, because it, it's just, college athletes, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you know, I love the amateur status of it. And I was like, all right, yes. Technically, the college athletes are amateurs. However, right. if you're at a big time school at a program, like, you're not, you're still going to be treated differently. Like, of course. You, you know, you got to pick your classes first before anybody else did because you had, right. you had to be able to go to practice. Um, you right. know, no one ever talks about, like, no one ever talks about that. Like, well, why do the football players get to, to right. choose their, that benefit, their classes first? That benefit's okay, but you can't get a free meal after you beat, you know, Michigan in the big game at the end of the year. Like, that's a little right. ridiculous. Um, um, you know, yeah. there's, like, you get to travel, you know, you travel around to different places. Like, the average college student isn't traveling around, you know, going to a bowl game. Like, we spent, right. I went to three, I went to three Fiesta Bowls. Like, you mad, like, any other kid sitting there in my business class would be like, oh, you know, I would love a week in Arizona in, uh, <laughs> in the beginning of January. That would be great, you know. Must, and a free PlayStation. And a free. Well, did we get a PlayStation? What did we get? We had some goofy ones because it was you got all some chips like, and salsa. Was it Tostitos? Oh, it was Tostitos, and that Tostitos room was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was. Did they have the scoops chip? I'm a big fan of scoops. Uh, yeah, I think it had just come out right around then, and so it was like, what? What is this crazy thing? And I'm like, this is great. I love the scoops too. Uh, Jenny does not, which. Oh, I don't Jenny, know why. Like, that's the only knock I have against her now. Dang it. Well, because she says she for she prefers a more authentic chip. Yeah. And so I was like, well, yeah, but you get to scoop so much more yeah, out you of scoop the, you with know. the chip. Yeah. Yeah. It's Practical. It makes no sense. But I mean, what yeah, is listen. what is a chip nowadays, Jenny? Okay. You know, I just. <laughs> it's a vessel Define for chip. whatever you're trying. It's a vessel for whatever you're trying to eat. So if you're trying to eat cheese. You can't just eat it with a spoon. You got to have a chip. <laughs> That's great. It's like ice cream. Um, Not too many people yeah. actually like ice cream. They just like the toppings. But you can't sit there with like hot oh, fudge and sprinkles. And just eat like yeah, a bowl of hot, hot, hot fudge and sprinkles. And spr yeah, you look no, like a good but, but you put that on top of some ice cream and you're, you know, mm. everyone's a-okay with you. Once again, this is brilliant. Gosh, dog, we need you all more. Um, okay, so now we're in New York. You've been in New York. I get to New York. I love asking 
uh, people first impressions for me from you. I, obviously, I knew we were going to be working together a lot, uh, but I just appreciated your professionalism. I appreciated um, how you you mentioned this in your retirement speech. Also, you said I wanted to be steady Eddie and like this even keel guy, and you became this anchor not just for me, but that offensive line and you put out fires when things get hot and things get said between players and you're, you know, dealing with different sides of the line and trying to talk to different guys. And you took me alongside you. And um, I, I was just so appreciative for that. And I remember some of my favorite memories are game winning field goals, whether it's by Jay Feely or Nick Folk and not being able to watch and just kind of like, looking at your shoulder pads or looking at your face to see what's going to happen or going and riding the bike. I remember specifically the 9-11 game riding the bike and mm. freaking out because the defense is on the field. And I'm like, Nick, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you're like, I don't know, watch. And I'm like, I know we're going to watch, <laughs> but what's going to happen? We, I'd rather be out there, like, let us go win the game. And you're like, well, we can't. We're on defense, so we can just watch. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm losing my mind and you're this anchor, so... Uh, one, thank you for that. But that was really my first impression of you, and I appreciated you um, helping me along. But what was... <laughs> we'll get into the rookie hazing and the fun dinners and stuff, but what was your first impression of me? And please don't hold back. There was there was no rookie hazing. It was rookie initiation. Uh, yeah, I take that back. Rookie initiation. We'll cut that. Uh, so your first <laughs> impression. So I was in... Where was I when you got drafted? I was in... Um, <laughs> next to I Gary V booing me? You were next to no, Gary V booing. <laughs> I was in Antigua. Um, and we... That was back when... Um, I think it was... I think that was still when the offseason started in like... Right around St. Patty's Day. Yeah. It was earlier. It started in March. Early. So they, would, they, used, they used to give us like a week off in the middle of the off-season program. And so uh, uh, Jenny and I decided to go down to Antigua um, and didn't even realize the draft was on. Um, this was before this was before I could, uh, dawned on me that you could get cut during the draft. And so, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Al. Um, and so it was, I'm sitting there watching, I see you get drafted. I was like, all right, we got a quarterback. Like, you know, the, this is exciting because we had just come off of Brett Favre. We didn't really know what was going on. I think he had already gotten himself to Minnesota at that point. So we're kind of mm -hmm. rudderless there a little bit. And so, um, so then coming in, coming back to the facility and it was funny because, you know, you, you don't have too many first round quarterbacks that you're around. And for some reason I, I've found all of you guys have the same, like, aura when like the beginning of when you come in like everyone's just like ooh shiny new toy like how can we play with it how can we, how can we use it and so um it was funny being like all right because i mean i 2009 i was i was in my fourth year so it wasn't like i was an old vet or anything right. um and so it was it was interesting for me because it was like oh it's a rookie quarterback i was like well especially to some of the older guys. I'm like, I'm closer in age to him than I am you guys. So right. like, it was kind of an odd, um, like in between, but then, you know, since you were so young and dumb, 
like and so immature and inexperienced. <laughs> um, I felt so much older at the time, which was also <laughs> weird. Like it was like, well, wait, hold on. We're, and it's always tough for me. Like I always think of you know people are like, oh, you know, you're talking about your quarterbacks, and I go through you know starting with Chad, ending with. Um, Fitzpatrick Fitz. was the last one. And like going through and talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, when Mark came in, he was so young. And then I I always sit back and think about it. I was like, he's only four years younger than me. I'm like, it really wasn't that much of a difference when you really think about it. So that that gets me the, ch the chuckle um, all the time. And I'm like, God, you know, we really weren't that far apart. Right. And you were this perfect role of being close in age to me, but old enough to have, you know, juice with the vets, you know, and you've played well, so everybody respected you. And so that was nice to have that kind of buffer with those guys. So I appreciate <laughs> you being that, uh, you know, intermediary guy. Um, but um, one of my favorite memories is the Del Frisco's dinner that was almost a disaster because I think we made reservations somewhere else and then they couldn't have our party and you guys switched the venue for the lineman dinner our rookie year. And we yes, only had we three draft picks. So it was me, Slauson, and Sean uh, Green. And we couldn't yeah. get the right room or something happened. I just remember the O-lineman being pissed. Like, we're away from our families. We're out here. You're supposed to, everything's supposed to be ready for us. And it was just like total scramble mode. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> They're going to kill me. Yeah. So we switched to Del Frisco's, and it ends up being this incredible night for you guys. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember a sizable check somewhere in the range of twelve thousand plus dollars. I also remember um, somebody buying a Christmas gift for their O line coach Bill Gall Bill Callahan on the way out with my credit card. <laughs> that jacked well, up gotta, to Bill. He really liked his uh, what was his, his he he liked his insignia. Like I yeah. felt like he needed a bottle of it, and you got him like a Magnum bottle of insignia wine. <laughs> And I remember the guys, like, the waiter kept coming over and asking me, like, is this okay? Is this okay? They want this. They want this. I'm like, whatever they want. Yeah, of course. And so he finally comes back and he goes, hey, so you guys want a bottle of another Magnum? I think, are you sure people are going to drink that? And I was like, another Magnum of wine? I was like, who's, who's drinking more? And you're like, oh, no, no, no. That's our Christmas gift for our offensive line coach. Like, Christmas isn't for five months, you jerk. <laughs> that was yeah, ridiculous. What? What? Listen. Listen, it was in a spirit of giving, obviously. Um, <laughs> spirit of at least taking. we didn't drink it on the way. At least we didn't drink it on the way home, you know. Yeah, I, but, oh my god. You know, it, you know what's funny about that? It was one of the one of my last rookie dinners, and we had we had a guy there who um, I won't say any names, but he he was he wasn't really that good, and um, but he was he was a good rookie, like. And okay. that was something, you know, we all appreciated. So we took him out. We went to Del Frisco's because we started going to Del Frisco's every year. Yep. And um, we're down We're down in the cellar. We have a good meal. We didn't go crazy. He wasn't that high of a draft pick. Um, and so we had him do the fake bill. Um, oh and so I, I think the fake bill came to like 15000 or something like that. And so they bring it out to him. We're all sitting around and everybody knows because we, we oh, yeah. started doing the fake bill a while ago. Um, and so we're all sitting there. He gets the he gets the bill, he looks at it. 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Closes it up, puts his card in, hands it up. Like, wow. Yes, this guy is the best. Um, he's wasn't a great a football rookie. player, but he... He he knew he took it uh, he took it well and so we're like no 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 that, that's that's the fake one don't worry <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny um, what yeah. about driving the games picking you up going to the hotel I love doing that that was your favorite part yeah that was <laughs> I, that was part of my rookie duties but then like define a good rookie and then explain to viewers who might not know about how. I had to go get you guys food before road games as a rookie, get food. I ended up getting roped into getting food for other guys in the locker room. So now that was two stops, not just Quiznos, but I had to go to Popeye's. Then I'm like taking my quarterback test and like hauling ass to and from the facility just to make it on the plane in time because Rex was like, we'll leave your ass. We ain't, we won't leave Revis, Mangold. He had a list of people. He's like, but we'll leave your ass. I was like, geez. So uh, can you explain, one, what is a good rookie? And two, um, you know, those, those rookie duties. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think a good rookie, and I, I was taught this my rookie year by Brandon Moore because we had the same rookie duties, and it was Brick and I, so we were able to share, but we were right. also both first-round picks, so they took full advantage of that. Um, <laughs> but so a lot, of, a, lot of our rookie dinner, a lot of our rookie duties were just mainly getting the food. So there was, you know, you had breakfast sandwiches, you had lunch um, for travel days, and then you had... Um, I think we got McDonald's breakfast one a handful of days and stuff. So, and it was all and then like Mondays we had um, more lunch sandwiches I think. And so we're going through it. And we're going, you know, you get your marching orders and you you, you go and you put your head down and you just keep grinding. And it, it's nothing outlandish. It's just it's tasks that you know you don't want to do. And you know, obviously the vets don't want to do it, but it still needs to be done. Right. Um, and so Brick was on the lunch sandwiches and he, he would get, he would go around and get all the orders. He'd go over to the Coliseum Deli in Long Island, get the sandwiches, bring them back, distribute, and you know, everything was fine. And so every week he'd get, uh, Brandon's order and he, he would write it down go get it, come back, Brandon would look at it, nah, too much mustard, and throw it away. <laughs> and then the next week he'd get it like, I didn't order lettuce, throw it away. <laughs> like, he always found something wrong with the sandwich and would throw it away. And finally, Brick, was, I think, had reached his point. He's like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, you obviously don't want the sandwich. Why do you keep making me get it? He goes, because you need to earn your stripes. Like, I had to do it. Guys before me had to do it. And it's just, it's something to prove to us because we don't know you on the field to prove that right. you're willing to go above and beyond your duty to get the job done, whether it be getting sandwiches or blocking the three technique because I told you to come down. Like there's, right. you know, it, it's not it's not really the act of, of getting the sandwiches and getting the food. It's more showing that you're a team player, that you're here to help um, and you're going to work hard for the guys that are in the locker room. So to me, it was always a rookie was a good rookie was one who um, took everything in, listened, um, and didn't come in with like a chip on their shoulder that, you know, they already know everything um, because rookies are dumb. Um, I was a rookie. I was <laughs> dumb. 
Um, and every rookie after me I've seen come in are, are dumb. And you just learn. And it, it's nothing. I don't think it's anything against them. You know, it's just that's how it is. When you have guys who are playing in the league who, you know, are seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 11 years going, they've seen everything. And they can teach right. stuff. But when guys, when rookies come in, they're like, oh, I know how to play. I know how to play guard. Like, you think you do, but you don't. Like, you might be, <laughs> right. you might be, you know, you might be amazing. You might be the next Alan Fanica, but you're still a rookie. And you talk right. to guys, you talk to older guys, um, you know, we all went through it. It, it all, and I think almost every man will say it made him better. Wait, was I an A rookie, B rookie, C rookie? Can I get a grade real quick? Oh, you were an A rookie. You, you did you did great. Okay, thanks, bud. Um, also, you knew the answer. Get uh, out of here. I know. I just want to make sure. Um, okay. All the all the bus rides when we're getting ready to go to on road games, and we're getting ready to go to the airport, and we're all on the bus, and you guys pull out the newspaper. A lot of times, I happen to be in the newspaper for some odd reason. Had nothing to do with football, but it became an episode, a male version of The View in the back of the bus with all the offensive linemen. And I had to answer a bunch of questions about, you know, where I went to dinner on Friday, what so-and-so was like or not like, if she was really hot in person or not, and all this kind of stuff. So did you guys talk about that away from me? And what were those conversations like? Because... I mean, in some ways it was really uncomfortable, but in other ways I felt like it was just like a good razzing because I thought you guys were like cool with me other than Fanica because he didn't talk to me till the playoffs of our rookie, of my rookie year. <laughs> and I kept asking you like, does he hate me? Or is it like, I mean, is it like a race thing? Or does this, is this like a real problem? Does he not like me? And you're like, no, dude, he's just, that's just, just shut up and keep working hard. <laughs> kind of thing but talk about those bus but rides and some of your favorite memories that goes back to the rookie like he he at the time i think he that was his 12th year and he had done all his time in pittsburgh which pittsburgh has a, a fantastic and you talk to i talked to willie cologne about it all the time mm -hmm. a fantastic like rookie veteran um relationship and that's just how it, how he did it you know that's that was his way and um the bus trips were always the best because you know, you usually, you had a little bit of food before you get on and driving um, to Newark, about 30 minutes. And so I was always in, I, my seat was always, the, it was the seventh seat on the left. Um, and I sat in the same seat, not out of um, superstition or anything, um, but just because I, I like routine. <laughs> so it, it was, it kind of became <laughs> one of those things. And it, it was always awkward um, that first, the first camp, especially um, as I was in those middle years, because I, I didn't have a full veteran pool yet. Um, but, you know, training camp, you have a lot more people and, you know, you're loading up the buses and guys just get on. And so I'd get on the bus and there's, you know, someone either Move new or, or young and be like, um, I, that's my seat out of here. <laughs> um, and so... And it was always me with the newspaper because I, I used to get the post delivered to the house. Um, so I just grab it on my way in and you have 30 or four minutes. It was, it was a great time to read the paper. And, um, you know, it's not our fault that you were <laughs> going out to dinner with celebrities and, you know, movie stars and whatnot. And I mean, I think you cemented your, your case for 
it, it, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it with the um, the GQ spread. Because that GQ spread was your rookie year, right? Yeah, coming in, yeah. Yeah, it was. And I that the picture, my favorite one, I, and I was just asked this recently, my favorite picture from uh, the spread was the um, the life-saving station. Um, you know, when you were up there with it, like that the was lifeguard? just... When I'm running? Yeah, as the lifeguard. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, well, you run, <laughs> and you're running down like the little plank thing in there. It was, um, it was <laughs> just awesome. And so, yeah, straight up hassle, man. And it was, um, it was just, it was one of those things because even when, it, for me, when Chad was here, when I got, when I was a rookie and, and Chad was here, you know, Chad was like bigger in life quarterback. And it was, I was like, wow, you know, this guy's cemented. When I got there, it was his seventh year of starting quarterback for the New York Jets. Like, this is crazy. And I don't remember any, but like he he had a wife and kids, and so he, he wasn't going out and about or anything. And so um, we never really had um, the, like that page six, because Farby didn't do it either. Like Farby was, he was sitting at home or he, actually he was in a hunting stand most of the time when he wasn't <laughs> at the facility. So. Um, and so like you coming in and, you know, you're coming, you're coming out of LA, you know, you're, you're coming in, you, you've already hit the, the GQ spread. Um, you're just a handsome devil. And then to be, you know, to embrace what New York city has to offer, which a lot of, a lot of guys don't. And, you know, which is disappointing because there's so much, um, and, and you're so close there in Jersey. Um, and so to fully embrace New York, but then have to deal with like the, page six side um was was pretty funny because it was like never we never really had that before and so it was kind of a new novelty which was (laughs) which was for us it was like i don't know it was was kind of one of those things like wow this is you know this is crazy like i'm used to reading this and i'm I'm reading about you know um movie stars and here it is the guy that's going to shove his hands under my butt (laughs) oh my god those were fun days um the um what about o-line christmas gifts how do we do with those what were your favorites along the way um i remember those were i don't know if i was ever more stressed than that i mean i got stressed playing ball but it was a different kind of stress because once i felt like a real connection with you guys i was just like oh i can't let these guys down like they do everything they don't get any love like this is big so what um what were some of your favorite gifts, not just from me, but other guys? And um, how did that start? How did Who taught you about that? Where did that come from? Yeah, so that came from my rookie year, uh, Chad Pennington. He got us all MacBook um, laptops my wow. rookie year. And that was like right when they were first coming out. And I was like, Chad, like, this is a laptop, thanks. But, you know, that's, that's a bit much, isn't it? And he goes, no, man, you're out there, you know, you don't, you guys are taking care of me. You know, this is a little way I can take care of you guys. I was like, oh, well, what did Brandon Moore? What awesome. did Brandon Moore say? Did Brandon Moore say, "No, I'm a Windows guy. Throw it in the trash." <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer a DOS operating system. Get this trash out of here. <laughs> and so it was. Um, I, I was like, well, "That's really nice." Like that's something like it was so unexpected. I had no idea that like, it was coming. Um, a Christmas gift from a quarterback. So when I got it, and it was, and it was what it was. It was like, wow, this is. This is amazing. So it, it was always appreciated, and you know, it was never. 
never one of those things where it was like, it has to be done, um, but it was always overly appreciated, no matter what it was, even if it was, you know, just a small thing, you know, just the thought that like, hey, you know, these are my guys up front, take care of me, how can I repay? And so, um, you know, I, I think you, you won easily of the Christmas gifts. Um, you dominated those. I, I think- Do you still have your watch? Now you got I an Apple watch, had, you don't even, you don't even wear your watch anymore, do you? Oh, I do when I'm when I'm fancy time, um, okay. which I haven't been fancy time since Rona, so I haven't worn it that much. But <laughs> it's on the winder. Don't you worry. I think Chad may have given you a run for your money if I had been with him longer. It was right when um, DVD players were coming out, um, Ooh, and he got us Blu-ray. like a, a brand new, or that's what it was, Blu-ray. It was a Blu-ray player, and like the thing was huge, like a big old right. um, block. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is cool. I don't have anything to put in it, but, you know, this is really cool. So he he was, and so I only had two years with him. I, I think between, let's see here, you had the watch, um, which is, uh, you know, w- one of my favorite watches. Um, I can't say it's my favorite because I have watches for my kids. So that would probably get me in trouble. Dang it. And then we got the per se gift card. Yeah. That was, that was a big one. Um, oh, the travel, one. like the, the, travel, the travel voucher one. That one actually, whew, it's not going to beat the watch, but it's more of a the family enjoys it more. We took that voucher, um, and after the Pro Bowl, um, which was in Miami that year, um, mm-hmm. which was a stupid idea, we then we then used your voucher to fly to Cabo. And we stayed oh, nice. in Cabo for the first... We had never gone, and it, it gave us an excuse to go. And uh, we absolutely fell in love with Cabo. And so nice. I think we've been... Since that voucher, that was the first time we went. I think we've been four or five times since there. I think Jenny had her 30th birthday in Cabo. Oh, wow. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that so actually we, makes me really happy. Yeah, we really fell in love with it. Yeah. That's cool. So then, um, so then it was watch per se... I don't remember what four and five. I mean, my last year I was hurt, so I was like, here's a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> yeah, screw you guys. <laughs> the one you, you'll laugh about, um, which I had heard this rumor, when Fitzpatrick um, came to us, I got a call from one of my buddies, and he, he was like, listen, he, he played up in Buffalo with him. He said, mm-hmm. you are going to love Fitzy's Christmas gift. Okay. I was like, all right, what is it? And he goes, oh, I can't tell you. you know, you'll wait. I was like, well, now i got to wait almost a full year to figure out what it is. <laughs> we're, we're getting close to Christmas time, and it shows up, and it's a bunch of Yeti coolers. Oh, nice. Which, you know, a nice Yeti, a nice Yeti cooler. You appreciate that? What does it have on it? It's a silhouette of his face right on the top of the cooler. No way. <laughs> yep. Do you still have it? It is of course, it's in my garage. That's so cool. That's great. That thing's not going anywhere. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Did you ever play with Breno Giacomini? No, that was when I went to Philly. We played in Philly every year, so it was kind of right. that was a fun, fun uh, trip. Um, but one of the guys ended up going into the training room before the game and got it. He wasn't playing and got an IV. <laughs> <laughs> He was so hungover from the night before. And I remember it, one of the doctors looked at him and goes, why are we giving this to you? You're not playing tonight. He's like, we already got the list of players who aren't playing. He goes, 
I'm just going to need it. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to stand for three and a half hours if I don't get an IV. That's so really he, got, he got the hangover cure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, I mean, Those obviously food, our food relationship awesome. was was something special. Um, talk through, because you went to the playoffs uh, with Pennington, correct? Yes. And then with Favre, you guys are right on the verge. Then we come in, I come in my rookie year, and we're like complete roller coaster. And we back into the playoffs. I don't know what the hell's going on. Everything's a blur. We got to play Cincinnati twice, which is so weird to me. <laughs> what are your, some, of your <laughs> some of your favorite memories of that playoff run in 09? Because we went Bengals, Chargers, and then, I mean, we're winning at halftime against the Colts. It's like, holy cow, we're, we might go to the Super Bowl. Your emotions and some of your favorite memories from those runs. I think we'd be doing a disservice if we skipped over the whole season of 09. Um, which I know is probably not your favorite thing to go back over, oh, but there's well, yeah, there's a, there's lot, a lot of fun in that one. I mean, <laughs> uh, the the red light, green light, <laughs> yellow light. <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks, dude. Traffic um, cop. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> you guys would ask me too. Okay, so for people who don't know, that it was uh, you know I had a little trouble taking care of the football and uh, to the point where the team that we're on is so good. Obviously, they were, the Jets were supposed to draft at like 15 or 16. They move up to five to get me. So it's not like they were just this crappy team without any talent that had to build. They were a team that could win now. And so they add me, but in some ways, they have to win in spite of me for multiple games to the point where we're, I've thrown five interceptions and we're still in a game against Buffalo in overtime. James Gandolfini was on the sidelines before the game. I like, it was one of my nightmares. I literally couldn't throw it to our own team's jersey. So um, yeah, oh, that, that that's was a how fun good game we are. Because that was not a fun game. That, <laughs> that <laughs> so was then it started the red, yellow, green stuff. And it was red meant like, at all costs, if number one isn't open in your progression as a quarterback, just like fall down <laughs> or throw the ball like <laughs> 10 rows into the stands and just don't get us in trouble. Yellow's like pretty close to red, but maybe try and get back to the line of scrimmage. And then green is just like cut it loose and play like normal. So that's what this traffic system is, but go ahead. Well, the Buffalo game was fantastic because we, um, we, we ended up rushing for over 300 yards that game and um, lost and lost and I remember at some point Brandon Moore yelled at Shoddy and she said, just quit fucking throwing the ball like just stop calling pass plays we'll take care of it and it was awesome it's like what are we doing here <laughs> here we go so I'll set the stage you can tell them the rest I took a lot of credit this Oakland game and we had gone through um we went through like a three-game losing streak right before this, and this was our next game on the road at Oakland. And uh, we have a check at the line of scrimmage. I go through a dummy cadence, and we're on the second set of cadence, which basically means the ball's about to get snapped, and I needed to, to decide, are we running the ball right or are we running the ball left? And I'm literally at the line of scrimmage, like going through the cadence, and, <laughs> and I just straight up go, what do you like, Nikki? And on the film, on TV, and on our coach's film, you can see you move your hand in the direction of the way to go. So I make the check that way. <laughs> it was either Sean Green or Thomas Jones just scampers in the end zone for a touchdown for like a 20-yard run or something. 
and everybody's high-fiving everybody on the sidelines and stuff. Coaches come by, great check, great check, Sanchez. And I'm just like, hey, thanks, guys. You know, yeah, that was a tough one. Sorry it took so long at the line. <laughs> just kind of wore it like it was my check. What did that you was... think when I asked you that? Has anybody else done that? I think yes. Now, having gone through it, especially with Fitzpatrick, we had a good working relationship where we ad-libbed a lot of, mm -hmm. of, of what we were doing. So, like, that, the Chan Gailey offense that we were running, um, even though some, some looks said we shouldn't have run into it, we did anyways because mm -hmm. we kind of figured we could make it work. Mm -hmm. um, so, I have, I have been doing... I, I did more of that, but that was the first time where... Cause you got to remember before this, it was Chad Pennington, right? Chad Pennington, and then Brett Favre, right? And now, so Favre wasn't asking anybody anything. Um, however, he was making up his own protections, and so we kind of had to figure that out on our own. Um, but this was the first time a run-to-run -run check where it's like, uh, which way should we go here? <laughs> and, and I think the the best part is it was coming off on the sideline. And you're high five and great check mark. Ah, I had it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it was second. more of like the group think mentality, you know, incentivize everybody <laughs> to get involved. And that gives them ownership in the whole process. It's not just one person, you know, where some of all our parts exactly. is really where I was coming from. <laughs> yeah, it, it worked out. Listen, I, I was very happy to give it up because it was a touchdown. And it's yeah. now something I can hold over your head forever. <laughs> um, so I, I like I like having yeah. that. So. Anywho, so now that we've gotten through... Oh, and that was the game where you're eating the hot dog on the sideline. Hot dog, which, yeah, I had to... Yeah, that's bad. I mean, no, I don't think anyone blames you. Like, I, I would kill for a hot dog. I just never thought to ask for one. Um, <laughs> See? Genius. Like, I, I know. I, I'm actually disappointed. I never, I never thought about it before. Um, but going into that playoff run, you know, I remember... Because we had played the Colts... Mm -hmm. where they rested their starters for the second half, I think. And so we mm -hmm. beat them. And then Cincinnati, I don't think they rested their guys. No, um, they came out to win. And we smacked the shit out of them. It was like like 35 nothing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then, so then going into the playoffs and having to go there, it was different for me. Um or it was an added bonus because it was going back to Cincinnati, right. um, which is the hometown. So I had family there and everything. Um, and I remember going into that game and it, the whole time thinking, like, all right, we beat them. We just smacked them, you know, and now we're going to go play them. I was like, this isn't going to be the same game. It was trying to figure out, like, how are we going to handle um, – how are we going to handle a team that, you know, we just beat really bad and, and are we going to be able to do it again? Um, right. And it, if you recall, it was crazy cold that game. Um, so cold. You know, it was, it was freezing. And as we got the game going and settled in, I realized it was definitely going to be a, a much harder battle than the week before. But in the back of my mind, it, there was never a thought like, oh, we aren't going to beat them, um, which was pretty and I have a picture um hanging in my basement from that game uh, of me and uh Alan just knocking the crap out of somebody um and it, it always every time I walk by it reminds me of like that that Cincinnati playoff game which was awesome and then going out to San Diego um was 
A, I always love traveling in San Diego because it's beautiful out there. Um, and then B, that game, that crappy locker room, um, you know, going out and playing it and, you know, we're, we're grinding away. And I don't remember much of the game, but I do remember that fourth down play. Yeah. Um, whereas, do you want to go for it um, and, and seal the deal? And like, uh, yeah. And so they knew what we were doing and, and we still did it. And like, that was, that was awesome. And then the Colts game, like, I think if we had gone, if I had just been a fan watching the game, I'd be like, that is awesome. That's just Peyton being Peyton and just dominating. Right, of course. But going through it, it was like, and when we were up at halftime, like, all right, you know, we just keep, we grinding. Like, they couldn't stop the run. You know, we were, we were grinding away. And then, um, and then to end up losing it after being up was just, it was such a crushing blow. And sitting there and being helpless about watching Peyton do what Peyton does best and just sling the ball over the place was like, ah, this sucks. Have you, have you ever talked to Rex about that one? Because remember we got Tom Moore, remember he came and was like a uh, consultant for us at one point? Right. That was like 2011? Yeah, something like that, 11 or 12 or something. But um, he basically told Rex that in the second half, I mean, Rex had his number and it was, it was on. It was going to be a long day for him. Second half rolls around and Peyton just kept on shaking off the calls that were coming in with Tom Moore. And he just went up and started calling his own shit. And it made Rex, I mean, I've never seen him change his demeanor like that because he's normally like a happy guy or he's like fiery and intense or whatever. But he was just like, like so upset and defeated. Like what? Like I knew something was wrong. And so immediately he's just like, I knew something was different. He's like, I was wondering where the hell did all this shit come from? Like, <laughs> he's doing stuff. This is not what we prepared for, you know? And so, you know, put him on his heels a little bit, but obviously a testament to Peyton Manning. Yeah. The other one that you were talking about in San Diego, um, golly, just that fourth down, like, I mean, it had to be my pump-up speech to everybody. Like, hey, guys, we need this first down. Um, <laughs> clearly. Like the Al Pacino yep. moment, you know, and any given Sunday. No, but I, like you said, it was where you guys and the running game and obviously my great checks became <laughs> like a top five NFL rushing team like ever. Did you know that? Did you know they were, that you guys were like single digit top five, one of the best rushing attacks of all time? That uh, season? Yeah, I think I heard that. I never yeah. looked it up. I just I so, accepted it as fact. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And... Yep. um it was one of those situations, the way you talked about Cincinnati, like it's going to happen. And of course, as a young rookie, I'm just like, you know, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be great. But I do recall that moment, like everybody in the stadium knows what we're going to do. Like we ain't going to sneak it. <laughs> we're going to turn around and hand the ball off to one of these badass running backs. And he's going to run right behind this badass offensive line. And we're going to get a first down and we're going to the championship game. Like it was, it was never a doubt because of, what I've seen you guys do and what I got to be a part of, I was just like, this has to happen. So when it did, that was a, that was an incredible moment. And you talk about these highs and then, you know, you juxtapose those with, um, you know, the dichotomy of the lows. And I remember after those championship games, uh, this might've been where I learned how to drink wine. 
with you in your house, just solving the world's problems and and you know fixing everything that just happened in these horrible games and these losses that you that you hold on to forever. But um, those might have been some of my favorite times too, of just sitting there at the table and you know. Jenny came down for a little bit and then went back to sleep and we're just sitting there. I know Brandon Moore came over one time. I think Al was there one time. But just how do you how do you explain to someone who's never had that? How do you unpack a game that just felt like your entire life, like up and down? You know, how do you do that? Yeah, and I think that's the tough part. You know, when you go through a season, there's always another week where, so no matter what happens in the game, you know, you you have about 24 hours to process it and then you move on um, mm-hmm. because you got to prepare for the next one. And so when it gets to the playoffs, it's so much more intense because, you know, you, you win and everyone's happy and you move on to the next game. You lose and you're done with the season. Now you have nothing else to do. <laughs> and sometimes <clears throat> and you don't even see those teammates ever again. Yeah, and so, like, that team... You know, no team that I've ever been on was exactly the same the next year. And so having to deal with that, like, you know, is this guy going to be gone? Is this guy going to be here? Um, You know, we had a chance. um, And, you know, and it's tough talking to when you talk to fans about it because they, they, during the season, if there's a loss, if we lose on Sunday at 1 p.m., they have until the next Sunday at 1 p.m., to feel miserable right. about it until the next opportunity to win where, you know, we switched so quickly, like, all right, you know, we got to prepare for the next one. And if you lingered on that loss, you know, into Wednesday, you would be ruining your preparation for the next game. So the fans see it in a, in a much longer period, but now after a playoff loss, now you see it as like, that's the infinite loss where now you have that loss until your first game, the following season. And, right, it's very fine. Um, and so you, you look at it and you're like, well, you know, I really appreciated the run, but I really didn't want to go out that way. And so okay. watching that loss um, for Fanica, I think, was was probably the hardest um, because he had been to a Super Bowl. He knew what it took, and I think he, he had true belief that we were going. Um, and, yeah. you know, in my young and dumb age, I was like, oh, no, you know, we'll go again next year and – We'll do it next year, and then, and then we'll do it again the following year, and we'll just keep doing it. Um, and so to do it, and then the, the tough part is to do it again next year, to go to the AFC Championship and then lose, really kind of cemented in my head. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're rolling now. Like, this is going to be, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be, all right, we need to make the playoffs and, and make a run. Like, it, it, we're, we're now shooting for Super Bowl. Um, you know, that's, that's the true goal, the not to get to the playoffs. Um, was a little difficult, you know, for the rest of my career. So, um, you know, going through those ups and downs and, you know, when we flew back from San Diego, the high um, of being on that plane, landing and being like, all right, you know, we're going to AFC Championship game. And then that whole week leading up to it, you know, studying the Colts, um, seeing how, you know, it's amazing watching, you know, when your regular beat reporters are there every week watching practice and then the first round of the playoffs, there's a little bit more people and then the second round of playoffs and then you, know, you go to the AFC Championship game and now like the whole sideline's filled, you know, at practice getting ready to go in. You're like, you know, this is like the the magnitude of it kind of just really starts building. And, um, 
you know, than to have the disappointment. Uh, you know, you got to let loose with a little bit of wine after a, a loss like that, a little bit of wine and maybe some whiskey. So we saw, we both saw Jamal Adams. He's unhappy in New York. He wants to get out of there. And then I saw your tweet with the, with Brian Baumgartner laughing when he talks about that. Do you know him personally or how did that happen? Like what, explain that. Cause I didn't catch all of it. And obviously I'm terrible on Twitter, but what was that all about? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it was nothing, it, it was nothing crazy. It's just, you know, I get, um, I, I'm very possessive of uh, my team, I guess. Right, uh, of course. The joy of being able to play for one team, um, you know, I, I think I kind of I kind of take it to heart, you know, um, not having played for any other team. And right. so um, I, I struggle sometimes. Well, I don't struggle, but it was difficult for me, especially with Adams. I don't really know him, um, you know, pleasantries here and there if I was at the facility or something. Um, but, you know, don't, don't really know him, but... I, I was having a hard time with the, you know, wants to be a Jet for life um, tag. And, right. um, you know, having actually done that, um, it means something to me. And right. so for it to be just kind of thrown around, like, oh, well, we're just going to pay him a bag of cash that makes him a Jet for life and then he'll be gone anyways. Right. Or, you know, whatever that means. Um, and I also take it with Brick, too, you know. Brick was able to be a, a jet for life. And like that's right. something that I take a lot of pride in um, because I had the opportunity to go somewhere else um, when I was done. And, you know, I still wasn't fully healthy, probably could have, you know, limped it out and stolen a couple of checks, um, which now looking back, I probably should have stolen a couple of checks. But um, <laughs> <laughs> money's always good. But it was also, you know, I was like, well, you know, I, I played for one team. Like, that's, uh, I'm going to be a Jet, and, you know, it's not the asterisks of a season, you know, somewhere else. And so, um, right. you know, I take a lot of pride in that. And so to have that being thrown around, especially while he was going through everything, he had come out and had already said that he wanted to be a Jet for life. Like, he was here to turn turn things around and, and you know, saying all the right things. And then to watch it, you know, just fall apart um, publicly, um, which I, I don't really like either. I don't like public uh, disputes when you're talking uh, the business side of football. I think that's sure. Um, I, I think that's not the way to go about it, but that's my own personal views. Um, and then to see to have him get traded, and I thought that uh, Joe Douglas did a fantastic job getting the haul that he did. Um, yeah, I was shocked. I didn't, I didn't think that any they would ever get two first rounders, but um, right. I, I, I was shocked by that. But then to have him. Um, you know, after saying that he wanted, when he was talking about being traded, and I think he said something about going to Dallas, um, and then going to Seattle, not negotiating a new contract, um, which was his original intent here, um, you know, to be a jet for life and, and get paid and everything. So now he's not um, renegotiating his contract immediately with Seattle, um, and comes out, I think, in his first press conference and says, he, you know, ready to be a Seahawk for life. I was like, well, now you're just saying things. Like, that clearly <laughs> right. doesn't really mean, like, the words that you're saying, you don't know what they mean. Um, sure. And so, like, it, it made me chuckle. And I I love gifts. I think they're one of the best forms of communication that we have available to us. You know, so I, I sent that out, and I was shocked at the, um, Blowback. the response it got. Like, yeah. Well, I didn't get. I mean, it wasn't blowback. I don't. 
Um, it was all, uh, I would say, positives. But, like, I was not expecting, you know, something silly like that to get sure. as much traction as it did. Yeah. And, and, I mean, like you said, it's not like you guys were, you know, friends for 20 years and, you know, you embarrassed them or something. One of you guys said something so awful about the other person. It's kind of inconsequential in my opinion. Uh, but I, I yeah. thought it was kind of funny too. Um, then yeah, uh, you see, did you get to watch Hard Knocks? No, I didn't. Um, what were we doing last night? Something happened last night that we were doing. I forget what it was, but yeah, I missed it last night. That's all good. Um, but A. Lynn was talking about uh, Anthony Lynn, obviously our former running backs coach when we were in New York. Now the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers said something about getting COVID. And um, with stuff like that going on, what are your thoughts? Do you think we make it through the entire season, number one? And what does it take to pause the season or stop the season altogether? That's a good question. I, I hope we make it through the season because if I had to fall without football, um, I think I'd just sit in my room and cry. Um, and so I, I'm a little shocked that they they aren't doing not, I mean, it, it's very difficult because it, it's not the NBA. So you have a lot more people involved. Um, mm -hmm. So you can't do the bubble. Um, right. And so, and it puts a lot of onus on the players. Um, and coaches, you know, right. to that personal responsibility um, to try to keep everybody safe, not only safe, but to keep the game going. If there's an outbreak on a team, that team, you know, obviously is going to be out for two weeks. Um, right. And so are those games postponed or are they, you know, forfeited? If they really wanted to be serious about it, I think if if they were to postpone a game, instead of postponing it, you just forfeit it. So if you can't yeah. if you can't play the game um, right. because of the Rona, you you lose the game. Uh, and people have asked me, they have, you know, if you were still playing, you know, would you be playing or would you opt out? And they're like, well, I'd play um, because I'm I'm not opting out of, of that check. And because you're going to get replaced, like you know, you opt out of the season, it's going to be, you know, unless you have a very clear medical reason that you shouldn't be playing, then people get replaced all the time. <laughs> A lot of people get Wally pipped, um, and so seeing seeing that, I would have to be. It, it would be a much different experience, I think, for the season. Um, I'd probably try to keep myself away from the kids and uh, my wife, and um, keep my distance there because you know if they're going to school, I don't want them to get sick and give me something, and I take it into the building. Um, right. and vice versa, you know, I don't want to. Um, so it would be a difficult probably four months, um, but I'd get through it. But that's me as a parent um, and as an older player. Like a guy who, a rookie or a second year guy who's single, doesn't have anybody else around, um, <laughs> that guy, um, you know, you, you would have been like, well, I can go to this restaurant or, you know, I can go <laughs> somewhere. And, and then like, you know, it, it would be, it would be difficult. You wouldn't, that player doesn't see the whole, like the significance right. of, of right. everybody. Um, and so it, it's going to be tricky because there's, there's yeah. just a lot of guys. Like that's, that's the tough part with the NFL is there. It's, it's a lot of bodies. Like the NBA has what, 17 guys on a roster. Um, right. 
And so when you go out to, you know, 53 with practice squads, you're sitting somewhere around 75 guys um, per team. That's a lot of bodies to manage. And then, you know, the staff and everything, it's tricky. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's one of those things that I think it's almost like not even a patriotic duty, but just a release for the country to have something that we get to look forward to each week. Right. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully, hopefully they take the proper precautions and guys do it the right way so that we can have football. Yeah, I think one of the Bosa br- uh, brothers said it the best, that the most responsible team might be the team that ends up winning it. And hopefully everybody's <laughs> responsible enough to uh, to keep it going. But uh, in our last yeah. couple things here, before I disclose something to you that could affect our friendship, the teams in the AFC East, the four teams, Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Pats, how do you think everything shakes out? Uh, I got to work out with Sam this past uh, offseason a little bit. And I mean, obviously, as a SoCal guy, I love him. I'm rooting for him like crazy. I know they need to put talent around him. But where do you think the Jets end up in, uh, in this year's season? And then assess the other teams. Because I know the Bills have some good stuff going on with McDermott, with Josh Allen. And uh, the Dolphins look like they had a great draft. I think they're still a couple years away. And then when it comes to the Patriots, a total new look Patriots, something that you and I never experienced. You know, we knew exactly who we were playing every time and it was going to be a dogfight. So what do you think happens in that division? Well, I think this year is going to be wild and it's going to be, it it truly is up in the air for every team. Um, Just because, you know, you don't know how missing an offseason and having an abbreviated training camp is going to affect teams. Um, you would have to say it puts it a little bit more in the favor of the Patriots, um, right. even though they don't have Tom Brady, because um, I think Bill probably has been planning since March um, of how to go about it. But I, I like the talent that the, the Jets are doing. I like what Joe Douglas is doing. He's starting to work on the offense. You know, he's he kind of rehauled the offensive line. Um, as long as Sam doesn't get mono this year, we should be fine. Um, there we go. So now we don't have to... We don't have to worry about mono, but now we have to worry about Rona, so it's a whole big thing. The Bills have, uh, you know, a lot of young talent, and uh, like you said, uh, uh, you know, Miami, uh, I think they're still a couple years out, but they do have, um, you know, Fitzpatrick down there for a year who has a history of just wrecking a couple of games um, for people. So it's going to be it's going to be a wild time in the AFC East this year. Um, I think the NFL as a whole, I think when you watch the NFL this year, the first couple of games, probably two or three, are all going to feel like the third preseason game of a normal year um, where there's still some glaring mistakes uh, that they're trying to get ironed out. Um, And so I think for my betting, I'm going to take every under for the first three weeks. Tell me about 74 Barbecue. (laughs) How did that happen? And what what makes it so amazing and sets it apart from other barbecue sauces? I've been making my own sauce for probably four or five years now. Really enjoyed it. I loved it. And most people who tried it said that they enjoyed it, but that was to my face. Um, and you never know if people are just being polite or not. So uh, about a year, year, a little over a year and a half ago, my partner and I, he, he took a, ba- I made a batch. He took it over to five or 10 people, taste test, blind taste testing. Um, and they loved it um, and said, all right, let's do something. And so for football for so long, it's so regimented. So, you know, do this, you know, go here, um, right. do that. Cooking for me is more creative. Um, and kind of my creative spot. So I really enjoyed the process of making the barbecue sauce. Um, right now I have two out, it's the OG and the spicy OG. One, the spice, the OG is for Matthew, my firstborn, um, and because he's the original. 
Right. And then the spicy is Thomas, uh, my second child, is my second uh, son, because he's a carbon copy of Matthew, but he's a firecracker. Right. Um, I'm hoping to have two more sauces come out. I already have one finished. The other one's an R&D for my two daughters. Um, nice. So I'll have a line of sauces. Um, and it, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, I'm an idiot for starting uh, barbecue sauce in a pandemic. Uh, our first production uh, got delivered on March 20th. Uh, so... <laughs> We're a little behind the eight ball, but we started a year and a half ago, so who knew that this was all coming down the pipe? Of course, of course. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been really neat. Um, yeah, I can't wait to get you your two bottles, um, yes. so that way you can try it and know that it's the best barbecue sauce you've ever had in your life. Um, and people ask, well, people ask all the time, like, well, what, what style is it? Is it Carolina? Is it Kansas right. City? St. Like, what, what is it? And um, it truly, and I always joke, I said, well, it's a New Jersey barbecue sauce. Um, because, yeah, because it tastes nothing like you've ever had, but it's still, you still know it's a barbecue sauce. Um, okay. And so it, it's been a lot of fun and I, I love it. And so I, I just, I like sharing the idea of barbecue with other people. So there was such a stigma for so long with uh, marijuana and CBD and their connection. And um, especially since playing, now you know what you're getting in certain products and, um, you know, with the pain and stress of playing and residual effects of those injuries that you sustain as a player, um, you know, guys have used CBD and it's not psychoactive, meaning you're not going to get high and all that. It's more for the anti-inflammatory properties and things like that of it. When did you first try Motive CBD? Have you gotten any uh, blowback from from trying it from anybody on the outside that might not understand? And, and what's your connection with them? Yeah, so um, when CBD was starting to blow up, um, you know, and you could get it at like the bodegas and stuff, I was like, that pretty much sounds like a truck stop, like speed pill um, that keeps truckers awake. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. And hearing people talk about it and, and having the testimonies of how it helped them and everything, I, I got, I was intrigued, but you know, there's no, no real regulation to it you don't um you don't really know um you know what's a good product what's not a good product and so right. um i got introduced to uh motive um because it's a columbus based company um and um you know i was like yeah you know i'll, I'll talk to him I, I don't know anything about it but you know i'll, I'll talk to him um, and so then talking to him and hearing about how they go through the process what they do um, all of their batches, you know, are, are um, coded so they know where it came from. Um, everything's produced in the United States. It's all pure. Um, they go through their own level of testing. Um, and, you know, that was kind of like, all right, you know, let me try this stuff out. Um, and, you know, if I like it, let's let's do something. And so right. um, I tried it out. Um, the big one for me was the, we have a joint and muscle um pill uh, that has the CBD in it. And as you know, you know, sometimes you just wake up and I always talk about it with older guys too. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, I think I broke my ankle sometime in the middle of the night. It was like, <laughs> I didn't do anything, but I woke up, my ankle was killing me. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's just, that's the reality of the wear and tear, um, right, wrong or indifferent. You know, we all know we're doing it, but, um, you know, sometimes I, like I'll get... <laughs> You know, when you're in the car and you're driving and you got your long car ride, I'll keep my, I'll have one arm there and it's on the windowsill and it's there for a long while. I'll get into where it is and like, I know next day, elbow's going to be swollen. <laughs> I can feel it like, like the rain coming. Oh, yeah. um, and so I started using stuff 
And, you know, knock on wood, I mean, it's cut it down uh, significantly. Like it, it just, it helps, um, it helps me. I don't take the sleep one. Um, I've heard that's fantastic. Uh, but with little kids, I don't want to be, you know, yeah, knocked out. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I'm scared um, for the sleep one. So but the I, joint stuff is awesome. The joint stuff is, is awesome. Um, and so it, it's just, it's been a nice, nice addition that it's not that I don't have to worry about things, but you know, it, it, it really does. I, I feel better with it. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and people always like, Whoa, do you feel it like right away? I was like, no, it's not like an instant thing where it's like, Oh, right. you know, I can lift a hundred pounds right over the top of my head. Um, right. it's more just like, it, it's a slow burn to where, you know, you just start to feel like things move better and a little yeah. bit looser. And, um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed it, and they're a fantastic company. Um, and it, you know, it, it's been it's been fun trying to figure out um, what we're what we can do with it um, until the Rona hit. Um, and then, right. like, it was it's been difficult, you know, trying to you know see the distribution. And it's been actually really interesting seeing the distribution of what Motive's doing because they're you know a startup as well, and have that alongside my '74 barbecue. Um, and trying oh, to figure right. out that stuff too. Because yeah. like, you know, it's two different worlds. You know, I have a supplement world and you have a food world, but like there's so much stuff that goes into food distribution um, and to create things, label design, bottle design, this whole thing that I had no idea about when I started the sauce. Same thing I see with like the CBD. It was like, well, what can we, what can, like, what else can we do with it? And like, you know, right. there's so much that goes on with it. And so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been neat and it helps me. And so anybody who asks, um, you know, I always, always give it the thumbs up. Actually, I just had a buddy last night texting me. He's like, Hey, I saw that you're in the, the CBD, you know, does it work? And you yeah. know, so then I go on to my, my salesman pitch and I was like, yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. really good. So, um, you know, I, I don't think I, I've had a hard time finding anyone who's been like, no, that stuff isn't for me. I, I was just going to say the same thing. You can speculate about what other people think about their own experience, but same thing with me. My personal experience with it, it's made my body feel better. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with good results for myself. It sounds like you have the same. And to be totally honest, the alternative, what guys used to do or continue to do after they're done playing is, you know, try and get something shot up or take pills to eliminate pain for a short period of time. And there's no way this stuff, and it's already been proven scientifically now, is worse than doing something like that. So I think it is the wave of the future, and, and that's pretty cool that you're behind it. Also, <laughs> okay, I got I to gotta come clean about something. And is, this where, is this where I'm going to hate you? Yeah, and I'm glad we're not in person because we had planned to do this in person <laughs> at some point. And I said, he's going to jump across the table and beat my ass. So... Do you remember 2011, um, the Bills game, we won? Do you remember that game at all or not really? Not really, but I believe you. Okay, do you remember how we used to have the Thanksgiving parties um, at my former residence um, down at the golf course at <laughs> Trump National in Bedminster? And remember we'd have the big you know, holiday party for everybody on the team and their family and people in the building and coaches. Remember we did that? Mm-hmm. Okay, well then Thanksgiving Rex would just have like a quick walkthrough or whatever in the morning and then we were done. Remember, no meetings and we could go home and be with our family. So we came and picked you up for that walkthrough or something to go to. <laughs> Matthew's a baby at this point, a baby baby. Your in-laws were in town and somebody toilet papered your house 
when we picked you up. Remember, I picked you up and you were pissed. You got in the car and Scotty was in the car and somebody toilet paper to your house. And you said it was those damn kids down the street that were Giants fans and you were really, really upset. Yes. <laughs> this is the ESPN 30 for 30. What if I told you I know who did that to your house? <laughs> <laughs> what if I told you I now already know who did it to my house? Okay, can I just explain? We thought it was a great Honestly, idea. How old are you? <laughs> In the middle of the night, and it wasn't just me and Scotty. We had help. A one, Kevin O'Connell, was with us. Jerry. <laughs> so we all went in onesies and zipped them all up so you couldn't see us on cameras or anything, and we were throwing toilet Son of a bitch. <laughs> And I remember we went to go pick you up and we're like, oh my God, he's going to think it's so funny. Like, who cares? And you got in the car and you were fuming. And well, yeah, I we just, had a clean. <laughs> I, looked up, I looked at Scotty in the rear view mirror and I just gave him like the cutthroat sign, like, do not say a word. And then I had to tell Kevin before you saw him, like, do not say a word. I had to tell Leah not to say anything. And then we just kind of held on to it for a really long time. And I just had to come clean because this is, that was bad. <laughs> God, how old are you? You know what? I go back. You are very immature. <laughs> I take it all back. You're the I'm worst. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought it was so funny. And then I saw how upset you were with your in-laws at the house. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. Oh, you know, it was really... He said, you said, look how high they got this toilet paper. Like, how did they do that? And immediately I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what about like, maybe they play water polo or something. Water polo. Oh, uh, you know who's going to kill you? She might it's even Jenny. risk Corona is to fly out there to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Tell her Actually, I, I take that big back. time. She'll charter a plane, she'll fly out there, kill you, and then <laughs> send the bill to Scotty. <laughs> well, I owe you a nice trip to Cabo for that. That was bad. <laughs> that was, oh, my God. I had forgotten about that. I was so pissed. <laughs> Dude, you were so pissed. Oh, uh, my God. I didn't want to tell you. It's good because you did it virtually. We almost said something <sighs> at Super Bowl when I saw you, and he's like, no, you can't. You can't. Okay. <laughs> Not in person. So I'm sorry. That was not, a cowardly move. Not in person. Oh, man. But <laughs> I had to save it to the end of the interview so you didn't cut it off. <laughs> Good move. I was Probably. like, you guys, he's going to just turn off his phone and be like, bye. Okay. We've had enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh you're awesome. One of my favorite teammates and a uh, big hug to the family. I want to make sure I plug your socials, the proper socials. So I'll let you do that on Instagram and Twitter. What do you got? Instagram is at real Nick Mangold um, because there's fake ones apparently, which I don't know why. Um, and then Twitter is just at Nick Mangold. Uh, those are my two channels and that's, that's where you can find all of me. And 74barbecue.com, is that correct? 74 spelled out, bbq.com. Uh, you Love can buy it. sauces online there. We have a couple stores in New Jersey selling it right now. Um, and so we're, we're trying to expand uh, as fast as we can, but, um, you know, we're, we're grinding away. So, but best sauce you've ever had. It'll make your barbecue the center of attention. Ooh, well said. Great plug. Yeah. All right, Instagram, we're fourth and forever. YouTube, youtube.com backslash fourth and forever. Thanks again, Nick. We'll see you guys soon.
Instagram at Fourth and Forever, YouTube.com backslash Fourth and Forever. Like, share, comment, and don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Hook smash! Oh, hook smash. All right.